Welcome back to another episode of Screen Run. I am your host, the Lady Juan, and I'm here with... Chris Scalzo. Screen Run is the show where Chris and I discuss the works of one artist each season, and this season is the films of Kevin Smith. Episode 8 is about the critical and commercial flop, Zack and Miri make a porno. Wait, wait a minute. What? Can I... We'll, we'll tackle the critical response in a bit, but we'll let's go ahead and start things off. All right, with here's a clip. What do you do? Uh, what brings you here? I'm an actor. Wow. Anything I've seen? Oh, all sorts of movies with all male casts. I apologize if I am out of line here, but are you in gay porn? Guilty as charged. Is there softcore gay porn, like just hugging and kissing and you know telling each other how cool the other guy is? You're a rad dude. Thanks, you too. Let's play some ball. <gasps> you don't have the rent? It's your month. Why are you always bending over backwards for that girl, knowing she ain't giving up no love? We got a good thing going, man. Why complicate that with sex? What the? What happened to the water? They shut it off. Help me get this out of my hair. Just use the water out of the toilet. There's poo in there. The back part of the oh. toilet. I don't think we're going to keep a roof over our heads. These are the exact circumstances people find themselves in right before they start having sex for money. What? You got an idea? We could make a porno. And here we are. (laughs) So Zach and Miri Make a Porno was released in 2008 at what I think at the time appeared to be the height of Seth Rogen's career. I don't think anyone was banking on him working for this long. Like, congrats. Uh, That's what... All right, we're throwing shade at Rogan right off the right off the uh, get go. It's not shade at him. I said congrats, but nobody expected. I feel like you're all right. Well, it's been twelve years. He he was the guy in a couple of movies, and I I think his career has long outlasted what might have been expected. Okay, that might be fair. I I heard that as a dig, meaning like no, nobody expected no. this guy to be a star, and click and his star quickly faded. I, no, I meant that as nobody expected this guy to be a star. And instead of being a flash in the pan, he's a guy who works. Okay. I don't know why I'm so sensitive right now, but all right, <laughs> I'm going to dial it back a bit. Sometimes it's okay. All right, go it's ahead. Okay. So Kevin Smith wrote this movie and this role with Seth Rogen in mind. But the entire idea of the movie, having to shoot after hours at the place where you work, is basically just the story of how Kevin Smith made clerks. So this was an idea Kevin Smith had kind of circled around for years, making a porn version of the origin story of Clerks. And he came up with a couple of ideas throughout the 90s. Like he wanted to have the Chasing Amy crew do this type of movie. Some other things, always with Jason Lee in mind. But they really never came to fruition. And then he wanted to write this specifically for Seth Rogen. Basically said, if Seth Rogen wasn't going to do this, I wasn't going to make this movie. And he really kind of thought this was going to be like, he's going to break through to like the next level. And this movie was going to make like knocked up money. Instead, it failed to do anything close to what Seth Rogen's movies had been making when he was working with Judd Apatow all the time. And it only made $10 million its opening weekend. It was Seth Rogen's worst opening ever at the time. And Kevin Smith basically was like, oh, my career is over because I've ruined the career of the guy that everyone loves. Like he thought he killed Seth Rogen's career. It did end up grossing $42 million throughout its entire run, but kind of broke Kevin Smith for a minute. And it was also the start of his relationship with Harvey Weinstein going bad. Uh, 
awkward. So basically, Kevin Smith blamed Harvey Weinstein for the failure of the movie, just saying it wasn't marketed right. And Harvey Weinstein was like, well, I spent $30 million trying to sell your movie. What do you want from me? So I personally contributed to this movie's failure because I did not see it when it came out. What about you? <laughs> did you give any of your money to this movie? Are you part of the 42 million? I certainly am. I yeah, certainly there am. You go. And there you go. I was glad that I did. I rather enjoyed this at the time when I watched it. And I don't understand why it didn't have any kind of legs like some of uh, Rogan's other films. It kind of s- sits in that wheelhouse that mm-hmm. Apatow does where he has the raunch and there's also the emotional connection. Right. Mm-hmm. There's actually that kind of love story thing, too. Yeah. And I feel that this does a good job with all of that. I mean, if people want your raunchy comedies, your mall rats, per se, like the film that supposedly was going to be made. I think this film is much more successful than that one when it comes to marrying these two comedy genres. So I never quite understood why it didn't blow up and be a hundred million dollar film. Yeah. I'm not sure. Do you have any ideas why that is? It definitely follows the Apatow formula of movie masquerading as pure filth, but at its heart is just a regular romance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it follows that to a T. And I think Elizabeth Banks is pretty great. So on the one hand, I don't get it because it seems like it's checking all the boxes. And on the other hand, I hate this movie. So I do get it. <laughs> I will state that I did not hate this upon my rewatch. We'll, we'll get that out there. So okay. why don't you tell us then why did you hate this film? Why are you <laughs> so very wrong? I'm not wrong. It's my opinion of this movie. Um, I didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny. I don't know if... So I truly have no reason for not seeing it when it came out. Like 2008, sure. I was like broke, but I was probably only spending my money on movies and drinking anyway. So I could have managed it. And it's not like I wasn't seeing all the other movies kind of of this style. I was definitely going to theaters and seeing a bunch of nonsense all the time. I don't know if I would have thought it was funny then. Probably. I don't I don't know. I just was watching it and I was like, "Ugh, none of this feels nothing that's being said is like catching me off guard in any way to make me laugh." And like, I don't know, when I can see the punchline coming, it's not funny to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It does it doesn't work for me. And like the thing that I like most about it are the two leads. I think they're wonderful. I they're the only thing I like. And and then I still don't even understand what happens in in the movie. The the obstacle is just there is no obstacle. <laughs> like it's it's so strange. It, it follows like the the necessary rom com structure of like and then our two leads will be separated by a misunderstanding. Except for there's not a misunderstanding. There's just he says how he feels and she kind of just waits and says nothing back and it truly doesn't make any sense because if that's how he feels why is he so mad at her and telling her she's acting weird he's doing all of the stuff to not say how he feels and then he says it and then she says nothing it's very odd to me that whole scene felt confusing that's because she's upset with him because she thinks that he slept with katie morgan's character 
yeah, no, I, I follow that part. But he's literally saying all of the things that she wants him to say. But, and, mm. and she's just, there's just nothing. It's, it's very weird to me. And I definitely get the idea from this and from <laughs> Kevin Smith's other movies that he puts a lot of stock in how many people you've slept with versus your value to as a romantic partner. He's got a hang up there. Clearly, I've never thought about that. That's interesting. And he does say on a lot of his films that it's him working through certain things, just like this film, too. So that's that is an interesting theory or an idea. I had never really thought about it that way. I mean, he's got a hang up. Dante literally screams, trying not to suck any dick on your way through the parking lot. Mm -hmm. He's mad about that stuff. He's he's mad about keeping score. And and yeah, so but like he's projecting it on Miri, too, that she would be like, it doesn't they like establish throughout the movie that they've both had sex with tons of other people while living together and being best friends. And all of a sudden now it's a problem because now it would be like coming after her. It's a problem. Like, it's so strange that it's so it's such a personal hang up for him that like I can't accept it in this movie. I wonder what that is. Why? I don't have an issue with it where it makes sense to me because now she's realized her feelings have turned for him and she's upset because she thinks that he slept with Katie Morgan's character. So I don't know. That's interesting. I'm trying, I don't know why you and I have such a big disconnect on that where that it makes sense. Of course she's upset because now she realizes, Oh my God, I actually really like this guy. I maybe even love him. Yeah, we have this connection in this moment, and then he goes and sleeps with this woman, which wasn't even on set. It was just something as like a warm up. Of course, I think she'd be upset about that. It makes sense that she'd be upset about it up until the point where he's like, "Do you is this what you want me to say that I love you? That I've always been in love with you? Of course." And that's the point where she can say like, "Yeah, but you messed up." And instead, they do the weird movie thing where she just like looks away and it's like that's not how real life conflict works there were so many scenes in this movie that that was one of them and then the whole scene where everyone comes over after paying their bills and strangely every person has a different line in this paragraph of dialogue where i was like is someone writing this who's never written for actual humans before like it just felt so cliche movie that i was like no that's like the thing he does well is he writes complex interesting dialogue mm-hmm. and i felt like those two scenes were so high school movie schlock stuff like i was so disappointed in it i don't i don't know i i i hated it <laughs> right, now i'll give you the show up at the apartment scene i think that i agree i agree with you with that it's so strange but I think Elizabeth Banks is when she even she as he leaves and she whispers or says, wait, like she realizes, oh, wait, no, this was my moment to say something. But she feels at that point it's too late and he's stormed off. I don't I did not have an issue with that. And it kind of it rang fine to me. It rang authentic to me. I didn't I didn't have that same issues with that particular scene that you did. Yeah, it just felt it felt weird because it made sense up until the point where he says exactly what she wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And then and then she just gives no response. And then I guess these two people who have been living together for years then suddenly don't see each other again for three months from that moment. That's wildly unrealistic. Do you know how often I have to see people I don't want to see? Like right. <laughs> how how they just, just didn't see each other. Like mm-hmm. he just 
moved everything out and they never spoke about it. Like, really? Like, that's what I'm supposed to believe? It just, it just felt so strange to me. This coming from someone who's written complex and interesting relationships before to just write like, I don't know, it feels beneath him. And I, it's not like I'm putting him on a pedestal from everything we've talked about with these right. other movies, but it, it just doesn't feel, ugh, it was disappointing. I think if this movie had come from somebody else, I'd be like, eh, it was all right. But I think I'm holding it to a higher standard because I expect more from him. This is interesting. I don't have the. I don't have any of those issues that you have with this film, and I think part of the strength of it, though, I, do, I agree that we do agree, is with Rogan and Banks. I yeah. think they are very good in this, and I think that the relationship yeah. feels real. I think it feels authentic, mm-hmm. and the, not only just the friendship, but the the blossoming relationship between the two of them works for me as well entirely. The yeah. break when he disappears, I think all that stuff I think makes sense to me and works. I don't have those issues with it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just broken inside. Maybe <laughs> clearly someone on this show hasn't made an adult film with their friends or partner before, so you don't understand. But no, I, I don't I don't have those issues with it. I think really, while I'm watching this thing, I'm realizing things are connecting in my head that I had never thought of before. And it makes me think like, is Rogan smith's muse is this who he should have been working with the whole time it reminds me of moments like this is going to be a bit of a pull but chuatel geo 4 in david uh-huh. mamet's red belt all right i know this is a weird off field <laughs> film but i really enjoy that film and i love mamet's work and i think he's a fantastic writer but as a director he has his characters deliver in this kind of staccato very just deliver the lines in a very specific way. What People mm-hmm. just don't talk like this. It's yeah. an artistic flourish that Mamet demands of yeah. all of his actors. But a Geophore in Red Belt is able to deliver those lines and make them feel authentic, which is like the fourth time I've said that word. But it <laughs> makes them feel like it's something maybe somebody would actually say. And Okay he's able to transform Mammoth's work into a kind of much more realistic and believable events and performance. And I feel like that's what Rogan does for me with Smith. Now, I think we, I talked about how much last week that I, I enjoyed Clerks 2 and how I mm-hmm. felt it was a big leap forward for Smith. And I think that this film is an equal leap to where we're leaving the view askew universe behind, though there's been some retconning of that. Mm-hmm. And I think he takes another step forward to kind of making more mass appeal kind of comedy films. And I think yeah. it works. And I think Rogan is the perfect vehicle for that because he brings this kind of everyman quality to all of his performances, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think that he is keenly able to do that and is clearly one of Hollywood's more unusual leading men. But he is, it's, there's a vulnerability, I think, that he, begin, he brings to his roles. He's still very funny, and he just has a good screen presence. And I just really yeah. think that he's able to unlock something in Smith that allows him to grab a broader appeal that clearly other movie audiences just don't see. So maybe it's just all me. I'm not sure. I mean, well, th- that's kind of the thing is I... As much as I did not enjoy watching this, I definitely didn't understand why it wasn't a hit then. I didn't understand then. I don't understand it now. It 
literally checks all the boxes. Mm -hmm. It's just that I don't like it. But there's plenty of movies that make a ton of money that I don't like. I'm not like the one person deciding. I really don't understand what happened other than I don't think it's good. (laughs) I think we talked about this earlier on other episodes of the show. Like Apatow and Kevin Smith were kind of like playing in the same space doing similar things, but in different ways. They both have like their guys that they always go back to. They both have certain like things that are going to happen all the time. And and I think Apatow, it always comes back to like a traditional family romance. Like it's 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 keep the baby. It's stay together. It's it's all of that stuff. And it's just it, you don't realize that he's like doing all of this stuff because people are getting stoned in his movies. So so you're like, oh, no, he's a cool guy. But it's like, no, no, all of his stuff is like very traditional family values and traditional romances and relationships. Yeah. But I think Kevin Smith is more interesting and in that he will subvert those things in still somebody wanting to be in a relationship or trying to make something work. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. I think his characters are more realistic and more interesting. And it really is confusing why, you know, he used Apatow's like cash cow guy and it didn't, it didn't click. It didn't, it didn't work. Like literally like broke him for a while where he was like, if I can't do this, like if I'm not going to get leveled up in the kind of money my movies make by attaching myself to the guy whose movies make that money then it's never going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what happened is he was just like, well, if I can't do it with him, I can't do it. Yeah. And uh, so far that's kind of still true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's, it's very interesting. I really don't understand it. So let's take a second though and talk about the yeah. critical reception, right? So Rotten Tomatoes has this coming at 65%. Uh. I view that as positive. It's not a 24 yeah, but honestly, I can get on board with a movie that's that bad. I, for me, and I'm not speaking for everyone, I'm speaking for me. If a movie has a Rotten Tomato score anywhere between like 40 and 6, eh, 40 and 70%, I'm probably not going to like it. I want it to be either really great or Up really trash. 70? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I look at it like school grades. 70 was not good. I was not going to tell my mom I got a 70 on something. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't going to get me anywhere. So seventy is a C. Yeah. All right. Well, I hmm. and that's the thing about that Rotten Tomato score, right? It's not like it's a a grade school thing like that. It's just an aggregate of positive scores mm-hmm. given by critics, and even then, the critics can say determine if they want to give it a fresh or a rotten, depending on which could go contrary to what their even review reads. Yeah, that's true. So, but fair enough. I don't know. I think it's. Like I said, I, I, for the most part, I think the thing works. I think it's very funny at times. I laughed quite a bit re-watching this. Um, some of the jokes did feel a little dated. We're still going to the uh, homophobic well mm-hmm. here quite a lot. In fact, yeah. one of the more memorable scenes, which is the cameo by Justin Long, mm-hmm. maybe it runs a little long, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> when, I, when I was watching I make the, one of the making of features about the film too that smith points out you know that he he went to his brother who has been in a committed gay relationship i think married for 10 years Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking 
and he's cool with all this. I mean, I guess yeah. it's up to him to be cool with it, but yeah. I don't, I don't still, there's uh we're still there, even though it's 2008. So we'll see. And, and I'd also wonder too, if the, the one thing about 2008 that kind of happens is that's when the world started to fall apart. And this thing came out right around that window, right? It came out on Halloween, actually, in 2008. So I wonder, did that have any impact to the uh, box office, potentially? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Okay, one difference that I feel like is noticeable from other Judd Apatow movies and then this movie is... Watching this movie, I was like, ugh, this looks awful. Like, it's winter in Pennsylvania. No mm-hmm. offense, Pennsylvania. There, it like, it looks miserable. And there's a reason why Judd Apatow is setting everything in the valley. And he's just like, look, it's LA. Look, at least it's pretty, like, while people are having their problems. Like, it's, it just looks so miserable to me. And it actually kind of bugged me a little when they were being, like, you know, super broke in the shitty car. And I was like, Ugh, I don't I've seen a lot of people obviously there's a lot of movies where people play characters in negative situations way worse than this way worse than being behind on your bills in a shitty apartment yeah but somehow it just felt a little icky to me because I'm like I know you guys are making bank on all these movies like I don't want to watch you be regular poor I don't want to watch you be funny poor I don't know it just it just really bugged me to kind of watch them ham it up in this situation and i'm like you don't you don't live that life like i don't i don't know why it bugs me in this movie wait a minute wait a minute i gotta pull my mic back because i'm so um startled by this comment of yours it bugs me but they're actors this is i know but it looks i i know that i'm pretty sure i address that i know all of that (laughs) and that i've seen people in way worse situations but it just it seemed icky it seemed like i don't i don't want to watch you do this like none of it seemed i just really didn't like it like i wanted Mm -hmm. to i was all about it i was like this is going to be funny no it did not make me laugh i didn't enjoy what i was watching and i was just irritated the whole time and then it just becomes a regular rom-com at the end like i just didn't i don't like it there were just so many things about this movie that bugged me that probably wouldn't have bugged me in other things but it's just that they're all happening in this one Mm mm-hmm to the point where I'm just like, well, now I can't let it go. Like immediately, this is this is how cranky I was about this movie. The first scene where she gets out of bed in a penguin's jersey. Yeah. I was like, no, you don't sleep in a hockey jersey. Do you know how scratchy those things are? Nobody would sleep in a <laughs> hockey jersey. That was like, this is no. Like immediately I was like, Mm-mm. like I literally even wrote it down. I was like, no, they are uncomfortable. If it's a good one, there's a fight strap in it. How are you supposed to sleep with that behind you? Like, no. I was like, no, I, I just, I can't get on board. Nothing ever brought me into this world to be like, I'm here for this story. Not a single thing. I don't really know where to go with that. That is, <laughs> all right. I, I, that's disappointing to me. But I live a life full of disappointment. So I guess that's what I'm I wanted to like it. I don't know. What Thing to with tell clerks you. too. I wanted to be on board for the journey, and I'm just sitting there being like, I don't. I don't know the part. The part where where Zach is saying to, is it Brandon St. James? Like, what is Justin Long's character's name? Brandon St. Randy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 a fun one. Like he's saying, like talking about him while he's talking. He's like, oh, it's 
it's almost like he's a real person. And I was like, is the movie aware that that's not okay to say? Like, there's no, it's the same problem I've had other times in Kevin Smith movies where I'm like, I'm, am, am I, are you acknowledging that what he said is stupid and ignorant or are we just rolling with it? Like, I can't tell. Yeah. And to be fair, Judd Apatow does that all the time as well. Like, I had major issues with uh, King of Staten Island because there were so many things that Pete Davidson's character is doing that I'm like, but does the movie know that he's wrong? Mm-hmm. Or I can't tell if the movie wants me to think that he's wrong. It just happens. So it's not an exclusive to Kevin Smith thing. But like, how many movies do I have to watch where the main character is like casually homophobic and I'm just supposed to be fine with it? Like, it's, I'm not. We've <laughs> it's pretty funny. much had that in every one of them, too. Yeah, like it's, I don't know, it's the humor doesn't work for me there. And it makes him have to work a lot harder to get a laugh otherwise from me with other jokes. And he's not doing enough work to dig him out of the homophobic hole that I find myself in watching all these movies. Like, they're bumming me out, man. Hello, Miriam. Beat it, we're talking. I just wanted to introduce you to Brandon. Salutations. Bobby's boyfriend. Bobby who? Bobby me. Bobby Lone. Brandon uh, is the star of such adult fare as, what was that one called again? You better shut your mouth or I'm going to fuck it. That's right. I'm surprised I forgot that. But yeah, the whole scene is a lot more, it's for, basically his one-on-one conversation mm-hmm. uh, with Brandon St. Randy is a little more heavy yeah. on the, uh, yeah. That's yeah. True. Also, the um, saying a really, really graphic porn title joke in casual conversation was a lot funnier in clerks mm-hmm. like it's not it's it's your joke and you did it better then i don't know like it, it's not working for me the same way i have real concerns for you for the rest of this season oh god it's gonna get so bad <laughs> it's gonna get really bad i f- remember now i enjoyed cop out when i first saw it i haven't watched it since but i have not been overwhelmed or overjoyed by really anything since so this is gonna yeah it's well, gonna the, get rough because this for me is like the last really great one for me you know i i, I i'm not sure what it is i just like as, as i said i think this thing works i think it's quite good i, I clearly don't have the the issues <laughs> that juan has with it here i don't know what it says about now i'm starting to doubt myself am i a bad person <laughs> am i missing something with this no i just don't like it not every movie's for every person i just don't I wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. did. Like, I was like, I very much enjoy Elizabeth Banks when she's being silly and weird and goofy. And I think she always manages to maintain like some, some weird, like honesty. And whenever she's being like a complete mm-hmm. weirdo, like she still manages to make that a believable weirdo. And I really, really like her. And I I liked her in this. I liked him in this, too. Like, she made me believe that she liked him. And he seemed likable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's that's their job. It worked. I got them as being platonic at first, but clearly just never really addressing stuff. Like, it all made sense. It was all there. And then it just, like, became cliche stuff at the end. But it was just everything was covered up with jokes I didn't think were funny. And, uh, yeah. 
Okay. Well, I, what about this? I'm going to see yeah. if we can get some another positive thing out of you here. <laughs> okay. I think his music selection in this is quite good. I think the songs really fit the moments, and I think the music cues are very well used in this film. Though I'm not the biggest fan, the, the, the live song is quite good in it. Anytime I hear the Pixies' Hey, I'm going to be very excited. It's my favorite Pixies song. And of course, when the film closes with Jermaine Stewart's We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off, which is my karaoke <laughs> jam, by the way, in case people didn't know. <laughs> uh, I think the use of the music in there is quite good. And and, and, uh, and it sticks with me. Like It's it's that good where it's, it actually jumps out to me. Oh, you know what I did like about this movie? Okay, mm-hmm. I have a positive thing. I liked the post credit scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a movie I'd watch. That Zach and Mira make porn for you? Yeah, I'd watch that movie. Porn? That was way more entertaining to me. That concept, that cast of characters, now they're running an office business doing this and they're working together doing this. Like I was like, yeah, that seems funny. It seemed a lot funnier than everything else that was going on. Now, I did not laugh as much, I, as far as I can recall. I mean, it's been 12 years. When I then when I first saw it, I think when I first saw it, I was laughing very hard, perhaps even crying, laughing at some scenes. <laughs> and I have fond memories of a bunch of the different jokes too. But I will say it didn't have the same pop with me as it did when I first saw it. I can just I just feel that. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting too. Did you read into the story of the uh, difficulties they had with the MPAA and trying to secure that R rating? Yeah, yeah. I feel like. How often is it that a movie gets an NC-17 and then appeals it without doing anything and they change it to an R? Like, how often does that happen? Because I feel like that's the only time I ever read about it. Yeah, I don't, from what I understand, <laughs> during the documentary portion, they mentioned that basically I think it's only happened like a handful of times and Smith has won each time he's gone forward with the uh, appeal. And the way the appeal works, I guess, is you can go past the ratings board and have the entire MPAA watch it, and then they come back and say whether they're going to hold you to the NC-17 or whatever the rating is, the original one, and you're mm-hmm. locked into it. It's like a gamble you take. Okay. Or if they're going to allow you to get the lower grade. And their argument was like, you know, they gave Jackass uh, an R, and there's actually a scene of real poop in that, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there's yeah. a bun- they make, make, make a bunch of other uh, references as well. And they were able to secure another rating. So I guess it happened with Clerks, which was NC-17. They got down to an R. It was Jersey Girl, which was an R, and they got it down to a PG-13. And then, of course, this version, which is NC-17, which they got down to an R. Yeah. Like, let's say, let's say this movie, let's say there's a version of this movie possible that just doesn't have homophobic jokes Mm -hmm. and that it comes out... I don't know, four or five years later, I think it probably works a lot better because I think if this movie doesn't, I don't know how to explain this. I think the title was an issue, obviously with marketing. But it's I a, think- it grabs you though, for sure. And Weinstein, may he rest in hell, stayed basically that he greenlit the thing as soon as Smith gave him the title. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying the title is like a, a problem. I'm challenges. saying- I'm saying it presented a problem, but then in like, what is it? 2014, you get the movie sex tape. Like, yeah. and that that's the name of the movie. I think he kind of like had to, had to be the first one to take that risk and it mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't work. And I'm not saying that's fair, but I think that's definitely part of the problem. I think you can't discount 
I think as movie people, we think that movies stand on their own. Yeah. And we read about them. We read about the production as they're coming out. We hear about casting before they've even started filming. We know about these things. But like somebody else is just kind of walking up to the theater and like, what's playing? Oh, I don't know. And then they just kind of look around and decide. And if all of a sudden you have to change this movie to just called Zack and Miri in a lot of places, who's going to see that movie? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's there's so many people. The majority of movie audiences are not going in there with the full backstory of how this movie came to be made before they're going to see it. We live in kind of this weird bubble. We're those assholes who know yeah. everything about a movie. When the trailer comes on, we're like, yeah, did you hear about this? So this is the second trailer that came out. So they had to cut a bunch of like, we're those people. But a lot of people are not. And they're just looking for something to do on Friday night. And if this movie is just called Zack and Miri, you're like, I don't really want to watch some rom-com. You just don't see it. Like, That's you don't know true. what it is. That's it's- interesting. I hadn't thought of I've been so, as we like to say, in the game. For so yeah. long now that it didn't even in the curb me. And when I say the biz, I mean, you know, the uh, industry. But I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot, I remember those days, but it's been so long. I forgot all about that, that there is that perspective where you'll just say, hey, let's go see a movie tonight. All right, what's playing? Like, yeah. I know everything that's playing now, like all the time. Yeah. So that's interesting. I didn't really thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, 2008, like, people were still calling movie phone to see what was playing. They were still <laughs> checking the newspaper. That's very true. 2008, like, yeah. I think that's just part of the issue that, and then if people don't go see it, then there's no word of mouth to tell you to, that you should go see it. And it's not getting, like, stellar reviews, like, oh, my gosh, this is the funniest movie. This movie's so funny and so dirty, and you just haven't seen it. You haven't heard about it. We can't even tell you about it, like. No, not that many people saw it. $10 million its first weekend. Like, who's going to go tell you to see it? They did a test screening, and it did very, very well, too. It had like a 85-something uh, or more audience approval, maybe in like a low 90s, with like mm-hmm. a 73 or 83 would definitely recommend. I don't know if I'll ever quite understand why the thing just didn't connect with society, especially with Rogan as popular as he was. The success of Knocked Up and Super Bad all being around mm-hmm. at the same window. Yeah. I don't, it makes me think that there were issues with the marketing of it and the push that of the Weinstein Company to really promote the thing. I don't remember a lot of commercials at the time, though, granted, mm-hmm. it's, you know, whatever. It's been a minute. Yeah. It always struck me as odd that this thing wasn't a bigger hit. In fact, doing the prep for the show... I saw the box office returns where it made just under 43. And I'm like, wow, I thought it was bigger than that. I thought it was much more successful than that. But it clearly wasn't. Yeah. I think it surprised everyone at how how much it underperformed. And that's coming from somebody who like legit really did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Smith and Mosher were all surprised too. You know, they really thought this was going to finally break them. You know, they're yeah. going to be able to push through to another level and start making these bigger films. And it just, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Like we said, it was like the perfect formula of if it was ever going to work, it was then. And it didn't. So yeah. Good times. (laughs) So our view askew connections here, real light on that. 
except for, uh, as you mentioned, the retconning with the Justin Long character, which will come later. Mm. We're not quite there yet. But we have absolutely no returning characters. We have returning players. Mm -hmm. Jason Mewes and Jeff Anderson are back. And of course, Jennifer Schwalbach has to have a scene. So she's in it as well. But this movie, Kevin Smith has said it's in the Viewisk universe. He said later, like, yes, it is officially part of it. But he doesn't own the rights to this movie, so he can't <laughs> drop these characters and all kinds of stuff later. Right. And he did want it to be set in Minnesota. That was his original plan to kind of keep it in the two locations he frequents, Jersey or Minnesota. But instead, we are in Pennsylvania instead. And it still looks very, very cold. Mm-hmm. Listen, so, one of the worst winters of my life was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it just snowed over and over and over again. I truly don't understand why people live places where it gets like that. But like, I'm glad they do because it would get crowded here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good for them. They're tougher than me. I'm a lizard. I can't do cold. <laughs> Is it time for picks? Sure. Oh, boy. Okay. I think I should go first on all of these because... Okay. We should not be mean, so we should end with your positivity. <laughs> so my favorite performance for this film is Elizabeth Banks. I think she's almost throughout the entire movie is just a level beyond anyone else as far as just like being likable and genuine. And she sells me on her deep, deep affection for Seth Rogen. She's just funny and charming and... I just really like her. I like her in almost everything, and I particularly liked her in this. No, I agree with you. I think she's very, very strong in this. But in the end, I end up going with Rogan. Mm -hmm. um, like I said earlier, his key ability to bring this everyman quality to all of his roles, and of course with this one, he's yeah. very likable, and you, yeah, uh, you're, you're on board with the journey of his character in both of them. But like you yeah. said, both the, the the two of them are the ten poles of this thing. They're the ones that really keep yeah. this thing afloat the whole time. To mix my metaphors, so uh, <laughs> in the end, I guess I go with Rogan. So that's my uh, middle aged white male patriarchy uh, bias <laughs> right there. He's good. He's good in this. So my favorite reference in this movie. So in the interest of classing up my answer, because I'm pretty sure all the references are porn parody title names. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the name of the hockey team being the Monroeville Zombies referencing Night of the Living Dead was my pick for favorite reference. That's very strong. As I agree with that one as well. That's just, <laughs> that is a good pick. What do you got? I, I really still don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I was, I kept going back and forth and I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's literally just a list of movie porn parody names. Yeah. That's it. Unt until the Monroeville zombies. And then I was like, oh, that's clever. That's like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay because I struggled to find a favorite line. So mm -hmm. I can't come up with anything that was a reference to anything particular outside of that Monroeville zombies. But yeah, no, there's really not much else to hang your hat on in regards to that. And of course, the, the titles, which are always fun. But. Yeah. That's all I really got. <laughs> I struggled to think of a favorite line just because I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's like the style of the dialogue in this movie wasn't about jokes as much as it was about like rambling until something was funny. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I did thoroughly enjoy the moment in the coffee shop where the guy comes into order and he says, I'll have a coffee black. And Craig Robinson just shoots back at him. Can't you see we're talking white? Like yep. it was just, <laughs> 
it's just like, well, now we've established his character. Thank you. And it was like a good, like, again, I wanted to laugh at this movie, but I was just like, oh, I like that. That's good. I liked his character in it. I liked how um, he was not taking anybody's shit, but I just didn't, I wanted to laugh. I wanted to laugh so hard at this movie. I think it's interesting. I think Craig Robinson delivers uh, my favorite line as well. Sorry I dragged you into this, man. I just wanted to see some free titties. That's all. But there's no such thing as free titties. Is there, Zach? Is there? It's the final is there that really nails it for me. And also, too, the opening when he wants uh, the manager of the uh, coffee shop wants him to work on Black Friday. And uh, Craig Robinson's response to that, I think, is very amusing as well. So he's if he was probably my my uh, sleeper underdog MVP of the film, I've always loved Robinson, and uh, I think he's very funny in this film. So he delivers probably my three favorite gags in the film. Customer line he just had, mine when I just played, and then, of course, like I said, the Black Friday one. My, my movie rating for this movie. Mm. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure the rules are one to five. Yep. So I just gave it a one. Um, I dis- I disliked this movie as much as I disliked Clerks 2 and what this movie lacks in nostalgic connections for me. It makes up for by having stronger two leads than Clerks 2, but I thoroughly did not enjoy watching either of them. And I'm telling, like, I will watch a lot of stuff and just I'm just sitting there like, oh, when is this over? But one, they developed a cannon for the poop scene to actually shoot it onto Jeff Anderson. I mean, it did nothing for me. They included corn in the poop scene yeah. for the cannon. And it's not really it did working, nothing is it? For me. Mm. <laughs> I want, I, I'm telling you, I wanted to enjoy it. Fine. I don't want to hate a movie while I'm watching it. I want to like it. Well, it, I. I I think I've, I'm pulling like an Anthony Fantano on this one. I'm giving it like a a solid three and a half, a week four, and like right in that window. <laughs> okay. I still listen. I still enjoy this thing. I still find it funny. I like the characters. Everybody, it's a it's a it's a good time. It still good. works for me after all this time. With I granted, with the reservations we talked about, yeah. uh, I still think it's it's still very strong. And unfortunately, I think we are now. About to enter the downslope, but that's hey. Well, you could love cop out, you know, and maybe the tusk is really something up your alley, and uh, you never know. Honest, I'm watching these movies in a vacuum. It's it's really kind of nice because I'm watching them so much after they came out that I'm not hearing anybody say anything about them anymore, and I have avoided anything other than the faces people make. When they say, have you seen Tusk? And then they make a face afterwards. And I'm like, no. And I make the face back at them as if like, I know the face. Like, that's it. That's all. Like, it's just like, no, I'm gonna, I will. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows what I'm gonna like? Really, I think it just snap into place with you and you could uh, elevate him to your P.T. Andersons and your, you never know. It could happen. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Anything's possible. Christopher Nolan's. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 
It's good. It's good all turn around for me. I'm I'm looking at our score sheet, and I was mm. I was coming out firing at the beginning. I was like, yeah. I love this. I love this movie. I hate this movie. I don't like this movie as much as I thought I was going to, and then it is going. It's just gotten so much worse since then. <sighs> I don't think we're going to pull a uh, Adam Scott Scott Ackerman thing like they were doing their Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. Yeah, like they're halfway through it, and they're like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this. Let's start the talking heads <laughs> instead. And they just switch to talking heads. So who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, uh, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> Bring it home, will you, boss? All right. So you can find Screen Run anywhere podcasts are found. Please give us a review and a rating. You can follow me on Twitter at the Lady One, that's W A N, and Chris at CG Scalzo. And you can check out Screen Run That Fun for all of the information <laughs> that you could ever need about this show. <laughs> Lucky she got she loves that domain. Let me tell you. I mean, it's it's keeping me going through through this rough patch of movies. Is mm-hmm. like screen run dot fun. Like what what more can you ask for? Exactly. <laughs> We're here to serve you. Yes, always. All right. Always. So, what is next? Is it? Is it? Is it cop, cop out? out? It is cop yeah. out, right? All right. Yeah, it's time to do this. That's a film that I have said for a very long time is undervalued. It's underrated. It's actually very funny at times because Tracy Morgan and I think Bruce Willis work well together. I've only heard horror stories from Kevin Smith about his working with Bruce Willis. And I'll point out, too, this is the only film that Smith did not write. Oh. That he directed. Okay, I'm intrigued. So there you go. Oh. This is going to be a fun conversation on the next episode. Good times. And if I'm anywhere near this level of cranky about it, you can just, like, you can really let me have it. Like, <laughs> tell I me will. to, like, <laughs> Tell me to get my shit together. That's right. <laughs> get a hold of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I promise. Until then. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>